from the Auto Line Studios. Here is your host, John McElroy. Thank you all for joining us on AutoLine this week. You know, there's all kinds of Car of the Year awards, but guess what? There's also one that looks at the best engines in the business. Ward's Auto has been doing this for 20 years, looking at what are the best engines available in the U.S. market. And I've got some of those editors joining me today to talk about their latest selection. And this includes Drew Winter, Steve Finley, Tom Murphy, and Christy Schweinsberg. And great having you all on AutoLine this week. Thanks, thank thank you. you. Tom, let me start with you. 20 years. Wow, what a statement. I, it's a really impressive. You've been doing it this long. What's new and different this year? What, what sort of trends did you come up with? Well, you know, it's really interesting because every year we usually have some carryover engines. There's usually maybe four, sometimes five engines that carry over from last year to this year. This year, for the first time, only two engines carry over. Really surprising, uh, which tells you that there's just an incredible pace of change within the powertrain community. So a lot of new engines. Um, Six diesels were in our competition this year, and three of them made the list. So diesels really made an impression on us. Uh, more so than the hybrids. The hybrids didn't do quite as well. But, um, uh, yeah, so we evaluated 44 engines, uh, 36 of them gas, six of them diesel, two of them pure electrics, and then four hybrids. Wow. So uh, let, let's get into it. Christy, what really stood out on the list for you? Well, I'm a big fan of the 83-kilowatt uh, motor and the 500E. Um, that car is just a scream to drive. I mean, it's it's 147 pound feet at zero RPM, and it's just it's just fascinating. So, are you going to have to change the name of the award from 10 best engines to 10 best motors? I mean, we don't refer to electrics as engines. Propulsion systems. Propulsion systems. Yeah. <laughs> yes, that's what we say. But we we've gone through this uh, when we first uh, when, when Toyota introduced the first hybrid, and 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 then we started uh, testing the Volt and the Leaf and everything. We've done this exercise over and over again. And it's now it's 10 best engines, and you know when when it uh, the semantics get tricky we simply yeah we know it's a propulsion yeah yeah no i'm just teasing you guys of course it, you should continue to call it 10 best yeah. engines i mean after 20 years why not well uh, what i liked about the fiat 500e was this instant torque which uh, a lot of people who are not familiar with powertrains uh and propulsion systems um don't realize how much torque an uh, ev can have um granted it doesn't go 200 miles an hour uh but it does deliver instant torque and that was what was cool about uh, that engine. It's the vehicle you want to be driving when a semi is bearing down and there's this much space <laughs> to uh, and, get in front of it. And that's really what I was explaining to the cop who had pulled me over. <laughs> it's an electric. It can't go that fast. Yeah. But He's not kidding. Well, what was the other electric on, on the list? Tom, you said there were two electrics? Well, uh, we studied two, but the Spark EV um, didn't make the list. It scored highly, uh, but, but we preferred the 500E. Um, the Spark EV actually makes three times the torque. It's rated at 400 pound-feet of torque. So we had both vehicles at the same time, drove them back to back, and it didn't feel like the Spark EV was making three times more torque. Um, so anyway, they, you know, they're both good. The range is, is similar. You know, we were getting, I think, 85 miles of range when it was fully charged. So uh, yeah, you know, the EVs did, did quite well this year. Well, I think we all noticed how EVs are making these huge strides each year in drivability and the, addressing the whole issue of range anxiety that, that everyone talks about. They're really doing a better job of that, and, and uh, both vehicles were, were a lot of fun to drive. Well, they're addressing it, but they haven't solved it. Uh, the range anxiety is very real for some people. Yeah. 
Well, you know, I got to believe it was the quietest motor that you tested. <laughs> <laughs> let, let, let's go to the opposite end of the spectrum then. We talked about electric. What was the most powerful engines that you tested and made the list? Well, that had to have been the Corvette. Was, mm -hmm. Yeah, the Corvette was the most powerful that yeah. made the list, but the, the, the uh, Shelby GT500 uh, was also in the competition. Didn't make the list. It made the list last year. Uh, but we, we found that the, um, you know, the difficulty of keeping that, keeping that vehicle in a straight line, um, it, it, you know, it, it, it makes for difficult drivability. Um, and, and Too much power for the chassis? I think so, yeah. On a you know, public the, road, anyway. You know, the Corvette, um, to me, is, is, is the right power-to-weight ratio, and, you know, that's, that's a much more enjoyable car to drive, in my opinion. And I, I see, too, uh, looking at the list, uh, you had, what was it, the Audi? Audi S5. S5, right, supercharged five years, yep. V6. Five years in a row, this engine has been on our list. And uh, yeah, 333 horsepower, 111 uh, horsepower per liter, very impressive. Uh, supercharged, uh, phenomenal experience behind the wheel. And it's an engine that crosses a lot of different vehicle platforms. So it goes from S5 to A6, A7, A8, Q7, CUV, Q5, and now it's coming in the SQ5 as well. So, it, you know, it's become the bread and butter engine for Audi, and it's, you know, it's a, it's a fabulous engine. We had a lot of debate about this engine, though. Why? Because, uh, well, because... I was going to say, we, we had this incredible debate, which I was able to just sit back and watch, uh, but it was mainly between Drew and Tom. And Tom was arguing that a great engine is a great engine, and this is a great engine. And, and Drew was arguing to the points that they haven't done much technologically uh, lately with that engine. And the, the thing is, we've been doing this for 20 years. When we started out originally, it, we really, there were, you didn't see the number of engines coming to the marketplace at the speed they are now. The, the product development cycles are much faster. The technology coming in is just incredible. We're probably going to be testing fuel cell cars in a year or two. And with electrics and, and so much new technology, I just think that, that uh, engines that stay on the list now for for more than two or three years, they, we have to give them a really, really hard look because there's so much great technology coming down the road. And supercharger, turbocharger, you've got them both on the list. Yeah. Where, where do you guys fall and which is the best way to go or is there a best way to go? Well, it, it seems to me the issue really comes down to fuel economy. I mean, the turbocharged engines definitely lose something in terms of fuel efficiency. So if there's too much boost and you're into it all the time, then what's the point of doing it really if, you know, if your fuel economy gain isn't there? Um, and, um, you know, clearly there's a lot more turbocharged engines than, than there are supercharged. Uh, but um, it, it, there was another supercharged engine that we evaluated this year, and that was in the Pathfinder Hybrid, the, the new Nissan Pathfinder Hybrid. 2.5-liter four-cylinder engine, supercharged in a, in a seven-passenger CUV. And this is a big vehicle. And it, I, I thought it moved this vehicle really well. Um, and the fuel economy wasn't quite what we wanted, though. It was around 20 miles per gallon. So, you know, if you're going to go to that exercise, wouldn't you want better fuel economy? But, but you know, as an achievement, I, I think it's impressive that that much power can move that car. These guys really, hey, you know, I think the Nissan engineers really get an A for effort having a supercharged hybrid uh, engine. And, and <laughs> what you get there is, is uh, you, you, you hammer it on an, on an entrance ramp and you get this nice supercharged whine when you're, when you're uh, uh, going down the road. And, and really what they're thinking is with a hybrid truck or a CUV or whatever you want to call it, they know people are going to be uh, 
uh, towing stuff, you really need a powerful hybrid. And so that, that's a whole different type of engine and, and setup than you're going to get with, uh, than with a Prius-type hybrid, which is aimed just at fuel economy. And yeah, I could see at 20 miles to the gallon in a hybrid where even though it may be able to tow and has got a fantastic level of technology, that is kind of a lower number than you might expect to get. You know, which often happens with hybrids. Yeah, no, that's absolutely true. And, and I'm intrigued, too. We're, we're talking about these, you know, super high performance and uh, uh, the three liter supercharged uh, V6 in the Audi, uh, the Corvette V8 and uh, the like. But you also looked at the, the EcoBoost one-liter three-cylinder engine that Ford just came out with. Absolutely, one of my favorites, anyway, because uh, I go back. I go back to the days when 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 we tested uh, three-cylinder engines uh, in in um, uh, Subarus and and uh, other cars that maybe should remain nameless, but uh, they were all pretty terrible. I mean, they were just in there to be cheap and and. Uh, uh, it, it, really the cheapest cars you could get. They were rough, they were all pretty terrible. This is not the first three-cylinder engine uh, we're gonna see in the US, but it's by far the best and really fun to drive, has a great exhaust note, and um, I was really impressed. And, and as far as technology goes, incredible specific output, um, lots of other technology to eliminate vibration without adding, without adding expensive balance shafts. And, oh, man, the thing was just loaded with technology, and, and uh, I was really, really impressed. Some First, judges thought the engine was a little too loud, uh, but, you know, it is the nature of a one Well, that could be the car, too, right? It goes only in the Fiesta, you know, a little small uh, subcompact car. And but that became an issue uh, in terms of the judging and ultimately was resolved, but... Uh, I think you guys had some opinions about that. Tom and I were not the biggest biggest fan of, of this engine. I mean, A for effort as well for Ford engineers for, for bringing this to the uh, U.S. But, um, yeah, NVH was, was a complaint we had. And also we weren't seeing as good a fuel economy as we were hoping for. Um, I think you can get, you know, similar numbers in a four-cylinder subcompact like a Versa or the four-cylinder Fiesta. So, um, But at the end of the day, um, some people were still doing better than 40 miles per gallon like any turbo you're going to get you're going to get a big variance if you lay if you've got a light foot it really rewards you and you're going to get 40 miles per gallon i think ford even brags that it gets the best fuel economy of any non-hybrid uh car out there so again like any turbo you have to be careful but uh, um and as far as no i mean this is a entry-level car uh, and sixteen thousand uh, dollar base price so and it's actually it's a cheap car that has an engine that that uh you know has an authoritative exhaust note, and uh, it's not wimpy at all. First three-cylinder on the list ever, too. Yeah, yeah. To, to your point, there there hadn't been a whole lot of them even in the past, and they, they were kind of ring-a-ding-a-ding-a kind yeah. of engines. And, and they're going to be, and, and we're, this is going to be a huge trend, too. I mean, already in Europe, we're seeing a, a lot of three-cylinders. Two-cylinder, even. And two-cylinders, and we're going to see them coming to the U.S., and I think this is probably a first good toe in the water where suddenly people are, Americans, in particular, are going to realize that there's uh, no shame in having a, a three-cylinder. Yeah, and in the old days, you want a cheap car with a cheap engine, we'll give you a cheap car with a cheap <laughs> engine, and you're probably going to regret it. That was the philosophy or the uh, business model back then, and now you see a quality engine um, of that size and, and that price point. Well, and you all know uh, the story, too, that when Ford introduced this at last year's Los Angeles Auto Show, they had one of the engineers take the block out mm -hmm. to the show from Dearborn, and he 
put it in his carry-on luggage and put it in the overhead <laughs> bin. So, I mean, when have you ever been able to get on board an airplane with an engine block in your luggage? You got through TSA. <laughs> I just hope the PR guy who thought that one up got a yeah. nice raise. <laughs> right. it, that was it just, a, just a really great, great idea. We've been talking about uh, boosted engines, supercharged or turbocharged. What about naturally aspirated? What really stood out with you guys? Well, for me, it's the Honda Accord V6, right. three and a half liters, uh, and consistently getting 28 miles per gallon. I mean, we drove a lot of four-cylinder engines that couldn't do that. And in a car the size of the Accord, uh, boy, it's really, really impressive. And it's interesting, we tested the 3.5 in the Accord, which has port injection. There's also a newer version of that engine with direct injection that's in the Acura RLX, and we drove both of them. And actually, the fuel economy was not as good in the RLX, which is a heavier car, too. Uh, but we, we just really um, think that the Accord is still a benchmark V6, naturally aspirated. Uh, and, and also, we noted that you know, it's only making 278 horsepower, and there have been a lot of engines that have, you know, a lot of naturally aspirated V6 engines that have made our list uh, that made more than 300 horsepower over the past 10 years. So even though the, the horsepower rating is lower, um, you don't feel like you're missing it. You don't, you don't feel like you're missing that power. I'd much rather have that 28 miles per gallon. So. Well, and I think there's a, there's a couple automakers out there that have really made engines a core technology like BMW and, and Honda. And, and I think that really shows up in, in, in the engines that we tested. Um, and particularly with, with the Honda, it really shows up that this is still a really important core technology to Honda. Mm -hmm. And if we're talking naturally aspirated engines, the Porsche Cayman 2.7 liter flat six uh, roars nicely over your right shoulder. It just, it just fills the cabin with this <laughs> beautiful music. Um, and you know, again, it's, it's about power to weight ratio and you know, the car weighs less than 2,900 pounds and lots of power and just a, a, a great matching of of engine to the chassis. And came in under a price cap. And that, that's a, you should mention the importance of that. Yeah, this year we boosted the price cap. Uh, $55,000 base price was last year. Now it's at $60,000. Um, and this, you know, the Cayman base price is $52,000. So even if we hadn't raised, raised the price cap, it still would have been you know, in the competition. So these are engines that, you, you know, anybody can They're put out a great super engine. Exotic, right. super expensive. That's right. the whole purpose of the 10 best engines is keeping it more high-volume mainstream engines. Mm -hmm. Christy, you mentioned earlier that you didn't like the NVH, the, the noise, noise, vibration, and harshness of, of the one-liter one. But then now Tom's saying, ooh, that Porsche engine, <laughs> it's making sweet right. music. So this is a big difference, I thought. But, but explain that. What's the difference between a noisy engine and one that sounds great? Good question. Well, you expect a noisy engine in a Porsche. You don't expect it so much, in, at least That's in a noise. modern. <laughs> yeah, that is not noise. <laughs> One's noise, the other's music. Yes. There's so it's the, it's the quality, quality of, of the, the sound. Noise, yeah. Yes, the quality of the sound, the audio, yes. And, and, and I describe it as a coarseness. Sometimes you, sometimes you can feel it in the steering wheel and, and even in the shifter. There's just kind of a difference you can you can tell, um, and and it's 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 hard to describe, but it's it's a coarseness in the sound. If you feel you I need ear in the Cayman, if but you feel you need earplugs, then it's noise. It wasn't. It's not like that in the Fiesta. Believe me. I mean, no, it's the three-cylinder Fiesta is on the you know that that engine is on the list for a good reason because because it's truly breakthrough. NVH was the real uh, downfall this year for me. Um, you know, I, I, I rated most engines highly on horsepower and torque, but I think NBH is still the area where work needs to be done. 
a key dif differentiator in the whole industry, really. And, yeah. and you know, to, to, to your viewers who aren't you know, engine insiders, you know, this whole idea of noise, vibration, harshness, it's all about uh, these different decibels and, and, and uh, a carefully refined um, evaluation of different noises. And some noises are good and some noises are bad. Let's talk diesels. Tom, yeah. you mentioned that uh, you had a lot more diesels on the list, and, and some of which made it to the 10 best list. Six diesels in the competition, they all did really well. And yeah, three of them made the list. Ram uh, 1500 V6. To me, that is a really important engine because it's the first time that an automaker gave us a light-duty diesel that is high output, that can tow a lot, uh, that, that is really going to replace a V8 for just about anybody's needs in a pickup truck. And uh, the, you know, the torque, again, uh, you know, it comes in at a really low RPM, so you get, you get all this torque right off the line, um, and it's, it's just a tremendous package. And, uh, and I'm, I'm hoping now that GM and Ford are going to follow suit because there's got to be more of these light-duty diesels out there. And well, because we know that they were on the shelf and they were uh, both Ford and GM were looking at them uh, for a while, and then uh, the recession hit and they put them on the shelf and never took them back out. And so uh, I guess uh, Chrysler, this was an easier deal for Chrysler because they have a Fiat connection and they were able to get a, a low-cost uh, uh, diesel um, on the platform quickly, but um, the thing that's important to note with this is that diesels really de deliver fuel economy um, when they're under heavy load, when they're towing or hauling heavy loads, and so that makes it a perfect fit for a pickup truck where, where that happens a lot. I'm just wondering, at the dealership, are people going to be reluctant to buy uh, an all-American car or truck with a Fiat diesel in it or a company that's owned by Fiat. American made trucks made in Mexico? I mean, do you think, <laughs> do you think pickup truck buyers really care all that much? Uh, that's, that's my question. Is that going to be an impediment if at the If that engine works well, which it does, they'll be happy with it. I agree. I, I, I do agree to that, but it is an interesting uh, irony. And you've got all different kinds of diesels here, too. Uh, mm -hmm. You mentioned uh, the V6 and the Ram 1500, yep. uh, but you've also got on your 10 best the turbo diesel in the Chevy Cruze, which is a four-cylinder, yep. and uh, the three-liter turbo diesel in the, the BMW 535, which is an inline-six. Yep. So, exactly. oh, oh, very interesting. You got a four, a straight-six, yep. and, uh, mm -hmm. and uh, a V6 in there. And the V6, there was another V6 that we evaluated in the Audi A6, uh, the TDI. Great engine, um, similar NVH to the 5-series diesel except that uh, the fuel economy was better in the BMW. That BMW that we drove was approaching 36 miles per gallon uh, by all the editors who were driving it. And uh, meanwhile, the, the four-cylinder that we evaluated in the Chevy Cruze was uh, uh, just over 36 miles per gallon. So, and, and, and the Cruze we considered to be uh, right up there with the four-cylinder uh, BMW that we have, yeah, the 328D that we evaluated, and also the Mercedes-Benz 2.1 liter four-cylinder. Um, Listen to what you're saying. Chevy's got a better engine than BMW or Mercedes? <laughs> In terms of a, a value proposition? Price. Yes. I mean, <laughs> considering that, that the, um, the cruise engine achieved similar fuel economy as the BMW four-cylinder and better than the Mercedes four-cylinder, uh, and then considering that the price is 
in half. I mean, you can get in that, uh, I think the one that we drove, the cruise was $28,000. And the BMW and the Mercedes, they were both, you know, over $60,000. So, you know, when you think about if the NVH is, is... marginally better in the BMW or the Mercedes, definitely the value proposition goes with the cruise. Aside from being impressed with the cruise engine, I, I was impressed with v, uh, with General Motors coming out with it. It was pretty gutsy. Um, they, they're putting a toe in the water. They, they acknowledge that. Um, they have sort of a checkered history when it comes to uh, diesels in cars. Uh, but this one really hits the mark, and uh, f- we were getting 46 miles to the gallon on I-75 during a kind of a long-distance trip, and one GM engineer reportedly got 70 miles per gallon, which is amazing. I mean, talk about hypermiling. Well, that's hypermiling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that's cheating. <laughs> no, I want to ask the NVH critic and the hybrid proponent. What do you think of diesels, Christy? You know what? I was. I I think it was the opposite. I think the cruise diesel had the best levels of NVH in terms of it was it was quieter, less vibration than the European luxury diesels that we tested. And um, how did it compare to the BMW 535D? Which unfortunately, also I didn't make it into that one, but I did make it into the, the uh, 328D that we tested, and I thought it creamed it. That 535D, as far as I'm concerned, is the quietest diesel I've ever sure is. And that's, that was the big I-6. And, and that, was, that was the I-6. You can trace its history back. It goes way back. I'm the, an inline 6, I mean, that's got to be, what, 40 years old? I, not that the current version is, but it's got to no, be able but, to trace it back that far. And, and the I-6 is, is, is that's a, you know, for, it's a perfect, um, a perfectly balanced engine, more perfectly balanced than just about anything else, just the way uh, a reciprocating engine works. And... Um, it's, it's BMW really worked it well in the, in, the, in the new 5 Series. It's just a wonderful car. How did you go about doing this? I mean, 44 different mm. engines. Jeez, that's it, a lot of cars to test. It takes two months, and it takes a lot of hair that you pull out when you're, when you're trying to coordinate, you know, getting editors into drives. Uh, because, like, Christy was in China for a good part of the testing, and then she had another trip. We're all traveling throughout this time, so... You know, trying to get into all these vehicles is very difficult. Um, but, you know, we do score sheets on every engine that we evaluate, and there's, a, you know, there's 100 points available. Um, and so we're rating based on the specs, the horsepower, the torque number, the NVH. You know, we're looking at observed fuel economy, EPA fuel economy. We're looking at the newest technology, you know, how, how much really new stuff is on this engine. So. And we also sit down with all the key engineers and uh, make sure, just to make sure we, we get every detail right. Uh, we had how many with uh, GM about? Uh, GM had 10 engines in the competition this year. We've never had so many, I mean, GM has given us a lot of engines in the past, but this was the first time when, man, these are these are these are a lot of clean sheet engines here. And we had about ten each, you know, each top engineer for each engine. We sat down. So the automakers take this award very seriously, very seriously. Steve, walk me through a little bit. Okay, you get in a car, you start up the engine. How do you evaluate it? Well, it's the whole feedback thing. You're listening uh, noise, vibration, harshness, torque at specific RPMs. just all sorts of things like that, and um, also just intuitively, does this engine work with this particular car? And that, as you said, um, I think it was you, with the BMW, I mean, that was just a perfect blend of engine to car and balance. So things like that. So a lot of it has to do with, with, with what, does it really help sell the car to a typical consumer? Are they really going to be, is that going to be a key 
uh, tipping point for them is the engine's NVH or power or whatever. Is that really going to help sell the car? That's, that's one of our key criteria. But you also wonder how much the consumer knows about uh, the engine, the powertrain. I've talked to dealers who say, you know, they're woefully uh, unknowledgeable about engines. He said, I wish they were more knowledgeable about them because he was a VW dealer and they have pretty good engines. But, you know, what you were talking about before, is somebody going to care that an a Italian-made engine is in a, a Ram pickup truck? They probably won't care. Yeah. But they, they will care on the test drive. I mean, they're not looking where's the source of the, the production. Um, and then also in the durability and reliability ratings. Those play a big part. Speaking of the Volkswagen, that's the last engine that we haven't discussed yet. That's the 1.8-liter four-cylinder turbo. And uh, boy, there's a lot of four-cylinder turbos in the market, as you know, and we've recognized them over the past, you know, from GM and from Ford and from BMW. Mercedes has a new one. Hyundai has a pretty good one. They're all over the place. But, you know, when Volkswagen came out with this new EA888, this is the third generation of that engine, uh, and we've recognized that engine on our list for a number of years. Um, in my opinion, th this new 1.8 liter is just a hair better. I mean, it's more than a hair. It's, I mean, it's better than all the other four-cylinder turbos, as, as far as I'm concerned. Um, the 2-liter also, you know, we tested the Volkswagen 2-liter in the Beetle, the 1.8 liter in the Jetta. And, uh, you know, the fuel economy was better in the 1.8. And the, the NVH, uh, I think, is just amazing. Really nice. And, and you can get in it for as little as $22,000, $23,000. Just amazing. Uh, all the variety that you've got here, inline fours, uh, or uh, of course inline fours, I meant in, inline sixes, V6s, V8, supercharged, turbocharged, diesel, even electric. Uh, Drew, you said maybe we're going to see fuel cells in the next couple of years. Yeah, well, certainly they're coming out. Uh, Hyundai's coming out with one, and uh, we've got uh, Toyota and Honda not too far behind. So the question there will be, how do we fit that under the price cap? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Well, you'll have to go by the MSRP, not the true manufacturing yeah, cost of right. the vehicle. Yeah. We're going to have to wrap this up. I want to thank all of you for having come in today. Uh, Drew Winter, Steve Finley, Tom Murphy, Christy Swinesberg. Great haul having you here and talking about the best engines out on the market. Thank, thank you. you. And I want to thank all of you for having tuned in today.